Hello, 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 hello. It's good to see you. Say hello. Welcome to the Huskies Hockey Podcast. This is Weldy sitting with Andrew here, recapping another week of Husky Hockey as the women take down number one Ohio State uh, with uh, with the split there Friday with the victory. Um, you know, stunning me, stunning college hockey uh, all across uh, all aspects, and yeah, it was uh, it was it was pretty awesome uh, to see Ahola kind of put on a clinic there. Unfortunately, fell a little bit uh, there towards the end um, on, on Saturday's game, six to two, uh, in a game that I thought was a lot closer than that score indicated. Kind of much like the, uh, much like the uh, the Wisconsin's uh, loss uh, there on Saturday as well. Um, so, we'll uh, kind of recap uh, the women's series. Uh, talk about uh, the Gophers who are on deck. That's a Tuesday game. Um, make sure you. Uh, head out to watch the Huskies because that's going to be their first tilt was incredibly fun to watch um, down at Ritter. Uh, So that's going to be a good game. We'll preview that a little bit. And then obviously the men here um, after their bye week, um, you know, hopefully they're able to get a little bit healthy and uh, we'll, we'll talk about Omaha series and other musings from around college hockey. So let's just, uh, Andrew, let's just dive right into Ohio state. Um, I, um, maybe a little bit surprised on how Ohio State played. I haven't really watched them a ton, um, but they are very much the type of team that isn't looking to make the couple extra pretty passes. They're kind of a no nonsense. We're gonna get. We're gonna try to create a shooting lane, and the first shooting lane I'm gonna see, I'm just gonna shoot it. And that I think kind of played to a hold of strengths on Friday because. You know, for the most part, she was able to really control the rebounds, control the shots. And I, I thought even though Ohio State did put 47 shots on net, I, I thought Ahola, you know, obviously she played incredibly well making those saves. But, I mean, she was calm, collected, and, you know, just was really up to task for what Ohio State threw at her. Yeah, it's certainly a a, a great performance uh, from her and from the rest of the team. I texted you after the game suggesting this could have been the biggest win in program history. Perhaps that's damning with Frank praise. I mean, this is, this isn't a program that's got a ton of great memories over the years. Um, but uh, considering this win you know, on the road against a previously unbeaten team at home, Tina hadn't lost it at their home rink for quite some time over a year. And yes, it was a a two to one affair where we kind of you could kind of see the script uh, developing during the game once the Huskies score on those two power play opportunities, uh, and we know what to expect with a hole at this point. Getting it after the second period, two to one, thinking okay, just twenty more minutes here, just clamp down. I wouldn't even say it was just like a gross trap and we're just going to not even pressure uh, and just rely on a hola. I do think that they, they had their a decent amount of, of chances that they tried to generate offensively. They, they had a power play in that third period as well. And they took a timeout right prior to that, showing you that, you know, Adelski is, we saw the first two power play opportunities they had cashing in 
he was really hunting for that third goal to, to put him away rather than to need to rely on defense and goaltending for the rest of the way. Um, I do agree the uh, the volume of shots were impressive for Ohio State, but perhaps not the quality of chances. There mm-hmm. was also a fair amount of uh, block shots for yep. the Huskies um, all weekend. Uh, it was really nice to see the amount of selling out that forwards and defensemen in front of the goaltenders were you know, putting themselves in harm way, harm's way and uh, coming up some key blocks there to uh, extinguish scoring chances even before they got to the goaltender. So that was nice to see. Um, it was just, it was a very exciting game from my perspective because there was a couple of turning points in the game. The first period, I actually thought first five minutes or so, the Huskies surprised me as far as they came out with a little bit more jump than Ohio state did. Um, they had a brief early shot lead. I think three out of the first four shots, they, they got on net. Ohio state got a penalty around that five minute mark. got a power play, I should say, and generated, I think that part of the shot total. I, I think they got a little bit of a Penn state thing going on where they, <laughs> they do pad the shot attempts. Cause I think they counted nine shots on goal in that, power play opportunity there may have been nine shot attempts i i don't think there was nine shots that actually made it to a hola but but anyway they killed that power play yes shortly thereafter ohio state scores a goal but once you're in the second period at that point i'm like the game seemed to have settled down ohio state wasn't gonna blow your doors off and then once st cloud scores their first goal power play goal to even it up then you're thinking, all right, I think they actually have a shot here. And to win a game like this, where you, again, take the shot attempt uh, numbers with uh, with some grains of salt, but, um, you know, I think it was 75 to 25, roughly, like a three to one shot attempt advantage. If you're going to win one of those games where you're heavily outpossessed, you got to cash in on the power play opportunities that you receive. And yep. they did with those first two power play opportunities able to cash in. And that's how I said, that's how the script was going to play out if they were going to win this game and playing countdown, you know, relying on a hole at this point in the year, she's she and Chobak um, have proven to be quite dependable. And I had a good amount of faith that they were going to close the deal and they did. Mm. And uh, quite, quite the performance. And yes, the Saturday game leaves a bit of a, a bitter taste for the weekend, but still coming out of Columbus with a, with a split, as I mentioned last week, any points yeah. I would have been thrilled with, uh, much less you know, a, a regulation win. Um, obviously beyond thrilled for that. So, so yeah, let's, um, so what did you think as far as I, I want to get into the Saturday game as well? Cause I, I agree that I, it was, it was a game for, about halfway through and the game sort of just kind of lost them. They they, they mm-hmm. lost it there about a five or 10 minute stretch in the second period, some penalty issues, some non penalty calls call. that when yeah. at least one that went in Ohio state's favor, it just sort of unraveled there. But um, I thought that St. Cloud, it, it, they played it well enough in the Saturday game for me to ha- have the thought of when it was one-to-one. And, and again, that's the first part of the second period on Saturday. They, the Huskies came out, looking like you know they had a slight advantage in the, in the early second period 
thinking to myself, God, is she going to get going to win a majority of the points this week? And can we take this game to overtime at least? Mm-hmm. You know, that was not to be, but um, I thought for the whole weekend, uh, this was a team that played with Iowa State pretty well um, yeah. and impressive from from that perspective. And yeah, so what was your reaction watching on Friday as far as were you kind of like me as far as he kind of picked up the scent of, okay, we're in this to then you tie it up and you're like, okay. And then when they take the, the go ahead goal thinking this actually is possible here, what was your sort of um, experience uh, as a fan watching that game unfold? Yeah. After, you know, Henderson was able uh, to get her first of, of, uh, of, of the year. Um, and her, she's a freshman, correct? So first yes. of her career, uh, what a time to get it <laughs> on the road to, against the number one team in the nation. Um, but especially after I kind of dragged her a little bit for um, in the Wisconsin game, I said how she kind of circled the wagons after two teammates called for the puck and then she whiffed on the shot. Um, yeah, she definitely shut me up after uh, – clearing up the trash and getting that goal there to, to make it two to one. Um, I was, I'll, yeah, I was a little bit nervous um, kind of going through the third and, you know, I was like, okay, I don't know. Cause I just, I, I felt like Ohio state a couple of times this season has had some of those late time heroics that they've been able to pull out these games or at least tie it up late. And um. So I was just kind of fearing that, but it was, it was, it was kind of interesting because as it went on, you know, it, it got to a point where there was about three to four minutes left to go in that Friday game and Ohio state clearly had possession was clearly working it around. And I was thinking you dominate possession, you dominate everything, pull your goalie. Now I, I was like, that right. makes the most sense at that time. Uh, to do it and then they ref- they didn't and then and then for the next minute and a half Ohio State couldn't get anything going right. and it was just a wonderful job by the Huskies to really pin Ohio State back and not let them get a chance to pull their goalie so they didn't they they didn't even get another chance to to get the extra attacker on until there was about what a minute 10 left to go in the game or something like right. that um and then the Huskies kind of slowed it down. Um, I know they took an icing there. I'm okay with that um, uh, in, in some of these situations to relieve some pressure. But, um, yeah, as, 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 you know, once, like you said, as uh, Adalski didn't really go into any type of a, a shell, uh, so to speak, to try to protect that league, they were they were still aggressive. They were still attacking. Um, and that really showed when they were able to burn some of that time uh, Late, late Friday, and I think that was kind of the big thing to secure that victory. Yeah, and something Ohio met- State really is going to need to, you know, when you're in late game situations, you're going to do a better job reading the room and when to pull the goalie. So well, that's yeah, something they got to work work on. Yeah, I think it might be one of those issues where they just haven't had yeah much practice doing that. They haven't really needed to pull their goalie. You know, they lost the first game of the year in Colgate. That was a last minute goal, about 40 seconds to go in Colgate. Um, and, but other than that, I'm just looking through their results. I mean, two tight games against the Gophers, 
Um, but no, none of those games did they need to, you know, were they down uh, at the end of the game and needing to pull their goalie. So it might just be on charter territory. It kind of reminds because she tried to get out uh, Kirk, the goalie. There was a couple of opportunities where she was like halfway to the bench mm-hmm. and then either St. Cloud would regain possession or something would force her to retreat back into her goal. And so I think they were definitely trying to get her off early, but is a combination of maybe not being all too familiar with that situation. And then also the Huskies playing a good keep away type of game to keep the um, puck from keeping Ohio state from really settling into their offensive zone in order to make that an easy pull. Another possibility is, you know, a communication issue, I was watching the game on Friday, noticing that uh, their head coach, uh, Nadine Muzzerall, was not behind the bench. Uh, I'm not sure why. Um, I don't know. She was there on Saturday, um, but it was their assistant coach was the one sort of talking to refs at at one point in the game. And she was the one doing the postgame interview as well. So something up there. Obviously not anything too serious because Moserol is back behind the bench for the next game, but um, perhaps, you know, there might've been a communication issue as far as trying to communicate the best time to pull the goalie. I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure if Moserol's absence, if, if that played a factor for the Huskies to take advantage of a team that's missing their, you know, spiritual leader behind the bench. I'm not sure, <laughs> but uh, uh, either way, um, huge to come out of this uh, series with, with a big W here and, you know, vaulting them into uh pairwise territory. Mm-hmm. We've mentioned it's past Thanksgiving, which on the men's side is, is time enough to uh, look at the pairwise and consider it um, uh, legitimately. You can even back that up a couple of weeks because for the women's side, because uh, they start earlier. Um, so, Right now they're sitting at eight in the pairwise and that's the magic number. You want to be in the top eight because of the three conferences, which are presumable uh, auto bids only. Uh, they're only going to, so 11 teams in the tournament. We think hockey, CHA and Nuha are all, all going to just take one uh, team this year, which means uh, the remaining slots will be, you want to be in the top eight in order to get an at large. So right there on the edge, which is the good side of the fence to be on. Yep. Um, and this this win in particular is clearly, obviously, the biggest win this year. I Like I said, I argued biggest win in program history. Are you willing to disagree with that? I'm I'm willing to be wrong on that, but it's, name me a bigger well, win for this, well, for this there's, program. Well, there's a couple other ones that jump to my mind. One, you could maybe argue the four to one Minnesota victory last uh, year, last year. And that one, the reason why is that you could tell that was kind of a turning point when it comes to how the game, not, not just that, you know, Huskies were able to steal one or anything like that, just how the game was played and that Adolski is here and things are going to change. Um, And, you know, that's kind of one thing that, I don't know. Maybe it's not the time to talk about it now. Uh, talk about it later in the show, but uh, JoJo and Avery Myers have a podcast, Dump and Change podcast, um, that I will listen to on YouTube. Um, but you know, um, they had Emma Gentry on with this last one, and uh, Emma didn't have 
I don't know, very kind things to say <laughs> about the, our previous coach, or I don't know it, it, how it kind of came off. It was basically, I don't know if he and, you know, McDonald really took the job seriously or anything like along those lines, but it was, it was just kind of interesting how they were talking. Uh, but it was like that kind of, that, that win against Minnesota was like, okay, things are, you know, you know, you're clearly going to be on the upswing with St. Cloud state. So that's kind of the one thing where I was like, that, that's more of a, like a turning point here is here. This type of win is like, okay, you really have to take this team seriously now. Um, right. And, and that's where it's like, you know, it was, you know, the ground swells were coming for that win, that four to one win to start the season last year. But here it's like, okay, things are definitely going to change and we're not going to be an easy out for anyone. Yeah. The only other possibilities I considered would, would have been basically go for wins. Cause I think they've only mm-hmm. beaten them like four times. I'm going to say the first, I think was in 2010. Um, and just from a symbolic standpoint, like obviously the Gophers are the dominant force in the state and, and for St. Cloud to, to beat them obviously would have been landmark wins whenever you, whenever you beat them. But, um, from a, not just cute story, like look at St. Cloud beating the Gophers because it's so rare. Aside from that, this is the first time. I mean, I guess I'd have to check when, when they won those Gopher games in the past, but I would imagine this is the first time they've beaten a number one team. Certainly be the first time they've beaten a number one team on the road. Um, Cause I don't believe they've, have they ever won in Ritter? Um, Cause last year that was a neutral site. Yeah, I know that first game that they played that they beat, the first time they beat the Gophers was at home. At, was the at was Wisconsin number one at the fill the bowl game where we won one? I don't think they were number one. That's an, that's another contender too. I mean, yeah. they won the national title last year, and and that was because it was a fourteen thousand plus or you know attendance. Just the gravity or the scope of how many witnesses you had there mm-hmm. that'd be on the list. I mean, again, this list is not a long one. Because yeah. this team it's never made the NCAA's and you know only a couple of times have had winning seasons. So the um the O seven O eight team against Minnesota, um they tied and won um in October. Oh, they didn't, so maybe maybe that was the first time that they beat yeah. them. I thought it was so like I, a little later than that. Um and that was the first time that Minnesota didn't get a win in a series. Um, okay. yeah, I remember and was that because I wrote about that. Yeah, that was because I, I remember I remember interviewing the players and kind of talking about that is the fact that um, that that Minnesota didn't come away with the victory at all. There was a tie. There was a four four tie and a two to one victory at home. Was the four four tie at Ritter? No. Yes. Was the four four tie home? was at Ritter. Okay. Yep. And the win was at the Herb. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, you see what we're scraping the barrel here for wins 15 years ago um this is <laughs> don't make certainly me feel if, that old <laughs> if not the uh, biggest win this weekend it was up i there. remember and who yeah let me know who the the who who would have been the, the the scorers in that game can you remember Ooh, random box score should do we do it? it or should i just guess first i'll, oh, I'll yeah, guess yeah. first if, okay because you would have been there right yep i was there you would have been to the home games Okay, I'm trying to think of who I interviewed. I think I interviewed Caitlin Hogan. 
and Laura Fast. I don't know if Laura Fast scored. She was the captain, but I think I, Caitlin Hogan, I'm going to be pretty sure of. Or was it Megan Fizon? It could have been Megan Fizon. Shoot. Um, it was a two to one game, right? So we're looking for yeah. two scores. <laughs> we're looking to, okay. Um, I'm going to go. I'm going to stick with Caitlin Hogan and I'm going to switch to Megan Fizon because I had a good rapport with Megan Fizon like throughout the whole year. Like she was kind of my go to for a quote. Um, Geese and I don't think liked me very much. <laughs> oh, we've, we've been over that. <laughs> so, um, let's see. Uh, here it is. Ah, uh, ah, hey, all right. Um, Sammy Nixon, uh, from Danielle Hirsch, um, uh, was opened up the scoring, uh, 335 in. Uh, Minnesota scored on the power play. Rachel Drazen, no score in the second. And then the third period, Megan Fizan with the game winning goal. There we go. From Holly Roberts and Caitlin Hogan. There we go. Hey, not too bad. That and was it, early in the season, too. That would have been yeah. the first series of the year for our conference series, at least. Uh, no, that was the second conference series. We got smoked by Duluth right at the beginning. First conference series for the Gophers. Oh, maybe. But, oh, and <laughs> fun fact, uh, right at the end of the game, five seconds left, uh, checking from behind game misconduct by Gigi Marvin. <laughs> the sister of former Husky notorious checker from behind her Aaron Martin yes. <laughs> so runs in the family so um, where are you finding these box scores by the way let's go Ostro? back uh, oh god no I'm not <laughs> if I try oh, to I'm navigate on. anything through us Joe it's um, okay now I got it yeah, it's uh, not, no. collegehockeystats.net is where you, yeah because there's no yeah CHN doesn't go back further than like 2017. Mm-hmm. Ustro has the schedule and the results, but their links for the box scorers are all dead. So running into some, some information issues, uh, which <laughs> is all too frequent. Yeah. Unfortunately. Um, anyway, so I guess we can talk about Saturday's game. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but, um, yeah, I, as, as far as Saturday's game, yeah, like you said, you know, one-to-one on an absolute beautiful goal by Laura Zimmerman <laughs> to tie it up, um, you know, got a, got a break and then that backhand shelf. Um, but yeah, it was the second period, which was the second period that really Ohio state was able to pile on against St. Lawrence, you know, a little bit of the same happened here, but, I thought it was, you know, one thing that I tweeted out that I was really interested in it was Ohio State's forecheck, and they're able to really be tenacious on the puck. And I thought during that stretch, that was very apparent in the second period and caused a couple turnovers that I think we let uh, JoJo maybe out to dry a little bit. And I think it was their fourth goal. The one that I thought kind of really broke the back um, was a trip that wasn't called that went right to the Ohio state player and that they were able to just you know, use the defender as a screen and just shoot it past Chobac. And that was the one that I'm like, like 
like it's a clear trip that created a scoring chance. Like how like the announcers even even the announcers um, were were, on, yeah. were talking about how that Ohio State got away with that one there, and it was just such a, so obvious in the fact that that wasn't called um really hurt uh there was a couple there was one that the shot went wide and then the lively boards kicked yeah. it out kind of surprised uh millwater misplayed a puck um trying to clear in the four check was able to bounce right out and and uh, ohio state was able to create those chances so i thought i thought the four check for ohio state didn't give the huskies a lot of fits on friday but during that 10 minute stretch maybe even a little bit less um there uh on 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 saturday's game in the second period really kind of did the huskies in yeah it was unfortunate i can't remember was the the third or the fourth goal is the was the the missed call uh it was and the shot but uh either way it would have been the killer sixth goal I believe their power play goal was that their sixth one. Yeah. Their, yeah uh, it was a five on three, the five on three. Uh, and, and now that, but that was a well. clear pick play too, where they were able to, you know, bump into each other, not so accidentally and create a scoring lane, their shooting lane for the, for the Ohio state player to, to create some more space five on three. And I thought, especially, you know, human nature is, you know, you don't want to give a team too much of an advantage. You throw a bone to the other team now and then, you know, even it up. Um, Thought and, it was a five on three, and it's, it's what it says in CHN, but the penalty log seems to be missing a penalty if it was a five on three. Oh, well, then it I was thought it was a five on four. I thought it was a five on three, but they did get in some, some penalty trouble there. Uh, mm. And even the in that second period, the turning point was taking a penalty Myers takes a penalty which they kill off but it's maybe what 10 20 seconds after they still were in possession of the puck and that's when they scored the second goal with Gardner there so it was kind of yeah. like shortly after the uh power play had ended and because I think they got the first four shots of the period and that was their only four shots of the second mm-hmm. for St. Cloud yeah. so after that after the power play expired they shortly score and then it's that third goal, which I, it was either the third or the fourth is when they blew the call. And after that, sort of the floodgates opened and St. Yeah. Cloud was never really able to, to gain it back. I mean, you know, never, never quit, never say die, uh, score a goal at the end of the game. Six to two just makes it sound much less worse than six to one. So key goal there, um, <laughs> key goal to, there, to yep. make it, to make it six to two on a good uh, play. It was a good play. <laughs> so. It was a good play. And so it was, you know, frustrating that the game sort of went away from me there in, in that stretch of the second. But I mean, I was again, I was expecting you, you kind of steal one on Friday. It might get ugly on Saturday, but in that fight up until Myers's penalty, especially how they came out in the second period, um, the Huskies, I was really kind of thinking this might be a real good weekend. And it was just tainted by that bad stretch there of play. But at the same time, you just look at this Ohio State team. So would you be as impressed with Ohio State uh, than you would the other two big titans of this conference? I, I guess we should probably even include Duluth in that, too. And we'll find out exactly how 
much St. Cloud and Duluth uh, lineup this weekend. But seeing that St. Cloud's played, already played the Gophers and then played Wisconsin already and, and now played Ohio State, where would you stack those three teams up uh, in terms of quality of team, over, overall quality? Um, I would say for me watching all three of them. Gophers little... are third out of that group. Yeah, it's harder. It's harder for me between Ohio State and Wisconsin because Wisconsin looked really good on Friday. Or on, we're going to make that mistake because they played a Saturday Sunday series against Duluth. First game, Um, second game. (laughs) For some reason, they play. They looked really good on Friday. See, I just I just said it (laughs) on Saturday. They looked really good, and then I think they got the first ten shots of the game on Sunday because they have Harvey back, which is their I think best player. Mm-hmm. And from the uh, at the defense, and she was hurt during that Husky series. So, like, if I if they were able to sweep Duluth, I might give Wisconsin the slight edge, uh, even even though they were swept by Ohio State earlier. But again, that was a shorthanded um, Wisconsin team with Harvey out. So, but with Duluth beating them yesterday, I think I'd still put Ohio State above Wisconsin. Uh, at this point, even with a healthy Harvey, uh, say that five times fast. <laughs> but um, what do you? Healthy think? Harvey sounds like a, a sandwich like a country, or like a country <laughs> singer from like or the eighties. Like if you go to like Herberts and Gerberts, you'll like right next to the Comet Morehouse will yeah, right. be a healthy Harvey. <laughs> <laughs> it's got like uh, alfalfa sprouts on, right? On, exactly. On yeah. Some. It's the it's like the least um, best selling sandwich on the menu. Oh god! Like they're like corporates like looking to axe it for something better. But. <laughs> like cor- corporate the whole time has wanted to axe it, but there's one guy who's like the vice president who's like the son of the oh, owner of it. Like my granddaughter like loves it. Favorite. <laughs> it's like <laughs> we got to keep the healthy Harvey on the list. And they got some annoying consultant who says you cannot put healthy in the name of a sandwich. No one will want to buy it. And he's just like, see, it could go into lawsuits about, oh, it's not actually healthy. And then all of a sudden you've got, uh, you've got a whole other set of issues, but nope. The one guy loves the healthy Harvey. Um, but like, as I was watching the game, so maybe I'm a little bit biased because I watched Wisconsin in person, whereas, you know, watching on the stream, uh, for Ohio state, you know, I just, I just thought Wisconsin looked a little bit faster and looked maybe a little bit more dominant. Whereas just the type and the style Ohio state plays is a little more just kind of throwing spaghetti at the wall and trying to get rebounds, which again, a was able to see and able to swallow some things up. Um, I just, I, I just felt like they were on maybe Wisconsin was a little bit step ahead when it comes to that. Now, my wife, I would card, probably agree. I think that they are the flashier team yes. offensively. Wisconsin yes. is, but I don't know. Ohio state just might, you know, it might not be as sexy, but it might just be a little bit more effective. They're a little bit more consistent since. Right. Um, they both have incredible depth. Yeah. Uh, offensively. I'll say that like they don't, they can run three or four lines pretty pretty solid and again if if you have a uh if you have full health for well both of these teams but especially wisconsin 
yeah, it, it, they're very close. And I, I don't mean to shortchange the Gophers either. Uh, I just think that, you know, I think they're less of a three or four line deep team and like, more of a one line team. Past, past Abby Murphy, who might be the best player in college hockey. I wasn't really impressed with Minnesota and I'm probably going to eat my words <laughs> when it comes to, when it comes to Tuesday, but uh, like Abby Murphy was dominant every time she touched the puck. But after that, I, I wasn't really impressed with Minnesota. Um, and, and I want to go back also to Wisconsin all, or really, I guess all three of those teams, none of the goalies really impressed yeah. me. Yeah, I think I all three well. are weak in goalie. And I think if, like, if you had either, maybe not all three. Um, yes, all three of what we're talking about. Now, I have not watched Duluth at all. And Duluth, obviously, um, their goaltender is stout. So it's, but. If as, they're going to go with McLeod, I mean, who's undefeated in her uh, mm-hmm. collegiate career spanning two years. It's just 15 games. And so she was splitting time uh, earlier this season. I, I guess we can, I mean, we'll be, we'll be previewing Duluth. What I, I guess we can mention our schedule here since the midweek game on Tuesday, we're going to have a short pod after that to recap the go for St. Cloud game. And then we'll get into a fuller um, preview of the Duluth tilt for this weekend. So I don't want to, you know, step too much on that because we are going to, focus on previewing the Duluth series a little bit more in depth uh, in a few days, but yeah, they were sort of doing a, an even split beginning of the year with this Eve Gascon, but um, McLeod has been stepping up. And so she played both of the Colgate games and then she played the game against Wisconsin that they won. I'm wondering if we're in a situation where they're deciding and Gascon's putting up great numbers too. It's not like she's been, um, you know, slacking but uh it's possible that Duluth feels like they want to ride the hot hand so you might see a you might see McLeod play both games this weekend well we shall see with that but they yeah they have I I think St. Cloud and and um Duluth probably have the edge over those two teams those three teams even in in net but in terms of depth scoring obviously um Wisconsin and Ohio State really lead the pack and even with the Gophers, I think they have a better top line than either Duluth or the Huskies do. So I do think that we're seeing some separation among the the, the top echelon of the WCHA. But getting back to the Huskies, it's just nice to see that they can, that neither like can hang, hang with a team like Ohio State and Wisconsin, as we mentioned during uh, recapping that series from a few weeks ago, uh, you know, thinking that we, probably could have won one of those games or at least taken it to overtime. Um, and so it's nice to see that these games are competitive. Uh, even if that Saturday game got away from a little, little bit second period, it was closer than what the final score would suggest. So a uh, huge win. Um, and it kind of sets again, it, it sets the bar that much higher. Like, you know, the seasons, yeah. you're not going to make the tournament just with the strength of this one win in Columbus, even though it's a huge win, you're going to need to do this. Like you got three games here at home for, uh, before the first half of the year ends. Can we go two and one against uh, the Gophers and Duluth? I I'm setting that as my do that. That's impressive to me. What do you think? Is that, is that too greedy? That's a little greedy. 
<laughs> I mean, that's either a split against Duluth and a win against the Gophers, or which I think is what's going to happen. Would you think so? Um, or he I, could sweep Duluth and lose or, to the Gophers. Yeah, it's I don't know. That's I, I haven't seen enough of Duluth, so I'm really interested to see how they. Uh, how they stack up, but it's probably going to be similar to the Northeastern game. If I were to guess, um, because I mean, they're no better matter, than that. No. Well, I mean the type of game at least, um, because both, I mean, both Coley's have a 95 ish save percentage. So it's in- incredibly stout, um, how they're able to and for St. Cloud's wins this year, especially against these top teams, we're not going to win six to five games. You're going to have to win the two to ones and the one and nothings and the three to twos. I think that's reasonable to expect. I just like the fact that we're continuing the uh, goalie tandem. I'm going to move into the preview of the Gopher game here. Yep. I would expect then a whole lot to play, play on Tuesday. And as well as Jojo has been playing, I think a has proven herself to be just a step better. And I like that matchup with her against the Gophers on Tuesday. And so if she can continue this momentum she's built for herself based on particularly this last uh, game against Ohio state for her. I think that bodes well. I think it's just, it's going to be tough for them to score a goal on her, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. And so you don't need to rely on a ton of offense. Um, yeah. Just look at the stat sheet for St. Cloud. I mean, this is not the 85 Oilers uh, offensively. Um but they could be like the mid nineties devils defensively. So uh, I'm actually, I'm looking for, I'm going to call it. I'm going to say that, the, that they're going to beat the Gophers on oh, Tuesday. Perfect. I like it. Um, I mean, like you said, it, it, when it comes to the Gophers, it, it seems like they're just, just a one line team. Um, and obviously that one line is incredibly good. Abby Murphy already has 19 goals on the season. Um, you know, averaging over two points a game, and a lot just, of that is based on some big games against bad teams. That's I will that's, say that. that's also true. She right? had like five point games against Bemidji this past weekend, and one against mm-hmm. St. Thomas early in the year. You can see that with a lot of their players, actually. Um, that's like the difference between the top echelon and St. Cloud, like playing the Bemidji's of the world and the St. Thomas's that we saw a couple weeks ago for the Huskies. It's kind of like scraping out low scoring games against St. Thomas, whereas, you know, Ohio State and Minnesota and Bemidji are yeah, they're taking care of those teams a little bit. Those those games are much more lopsided. We saw the Bemidji results from this weekend. Was it nine to one and nine to two mm-hmm. uh, for the Gophers? So they're just able to kind of pile on against a weaker competition where St. Cloud's not quite to that level yet. Um, but I I don't really see that as a huge problem. It's just being able to pound bad teams doesn't necessarily mean that you're that you you have the inherent advantage here against the Huskies with the kind of stout defense that they play. So, so yeah, I mean, she is their best player um, Murphy, but yeah, like beyond that, I think, and we saw in, in the game at Ritter, uh, what a month or two ago um, that they were able to shut her down. Now that was with uh, Himalarova playing forward. Yeah. And you seem to think that that she had some sort of like psychological sort of grip on, on Murphy there. 
I mean, uh, that may be a little bit of a stress. psychological grip is a little harsh, but like, it, I, I do she think she was getting frustrated. She was getting was very frustrated. Yep. So, and and then and, the thing here is, we're still we still got Himmel Robo playing on the point for for Grace Wolf. James so, Britt was in for defense, um, but yeah, Wolf still out after getting my pow. So it's some kind of pow curse, right? Which oh, I, I guess. We could say uh, your Powell for the Ohio State series. I'm going to go I'm with a hola. Assuming it's a hola. Yeah. Same. Just even though she just played the one game, but mm-hmm. you know, she was the main culprit, the th- main thief in stealing that win. And as I said, three points out of Columbus is uh, that's a lot, lots of currency with, with those three points. So yeah, the, overly impressive and even to the the bar that she has set for herself this year exceeded that i think and um so i'm gonna go with her yep. for the pal same are, are you agreeing oh yeah same here <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we'll have to see if, if they've got i mean i would almost assume that wolf's still gonna be out so if that still means that him or was gonna be on the point if sort of that defensive matchup among the forwards against that top line and, and namely Murphy, if that is going to be a little different with him, Laroba playing uh, at defense, mm-hmm. I'd like to like have an injury update. It'd be kind of nice to have like a beat reporter. Do, um, do, would, do like, you want me to ask? Uh, <laughs> I can go back to Adolski and ask. And you can ask the, um, you could, or we could ask our new, podcast competitors Ooh, um, exactly at, uh, at dump and change which i have to uh shout out i mean i i'm glad that you uh suggested that to mm-hmm. me i wasn't i was kind of blown away by how much i enjoyed it it was like very refreshing it's to see yeah, well, I'll, I'll just say, like, if you like our podcast, it's not like, you know, I don't do a lot of editing. There's like there, there there's maybe a little bit of awkwardness, a little bit of cringe factor. But at the same time, like what they're talking about, sometimes I'm like, whoa, all right, <laughs> they're getting into that. Yeah, <laughs> so. I, I did not expect the amount of candor uh, that they were bringing to the to the show. It really gives you kind of a fly on the wall. Mm hmm uh perspective on like not locker room dynamics and just like the day-to-day of being a hockey player which i really appreciated and i'm just so used to at least the men's hockey players being the world's most boring, boring. humans giving no sort of hint of personality if this was something that the coaching staff suggested choback and and myers do I wish that Larson would do the same thing for the men's side because yeah, but it it'll gives be us boring. <laughs> but if, like, if they're able to bring something like that, I just, I just think that I, I just think for I, the men, it's just coached out of them at such a young age to like, this is how you're supposed to be in hockey. Whereas I don't know. The women are a little bit more real. And I appreciated that. It, yeah, it, very much. It so. was really sort of kind of sucking me in to it uh they like had to play the they had to put the bleep button a couple of times not because of swearing i think it's just because like gentry was oversharing i think yeah was right? naming names 
of the innocent or maybe the half guilty or the guilty or whatever. So she was showing off her tattoos. Um, at, at one point, uh, you know, they're kind of, I like the, the stories of like how, like, especially Chobak and Myers, Myers coming from New Hampshire, transferring from New Hampshire. She's a Fargo mm-hmm. uh, native, but then played at New Hampshire and, as she said, didn't necessarily play for New Hampshire as much as cheered for New Hampshire. So she was looking for somewhere to actually get in some action. And, and so she came to St. Cloud last year as well as Chobac. And she came from Duluth, obviously. And so interesting to hear, you know, Chobac, their perspective. Sorry. Yeah. And like what the decision making process I, came uh, was like. And I did notice she didn't answer my question, though, about did you know that you were going to split time with Ahola? Because it sounded like um, like she didn't really care for splitting time at Duluth. So and then coming here to split time, I don't know. She dodged that one of mine. But you got to come with more fire. Oh, I think. Apparently. Apparently. And I'll say, too, like it was as someone myself who is an expert on comedy oh, and yep. um, cause I'm kind of like a comedian. Um, I'm kind of you know, somewhat of a comedian myself. Right. As you can tell, it was actually really funny. <laughs> I, I Myers in particular has got some good comic timing. Um, their banter. I think they said that they live with each other yep. so that you can kind of tell like they've, you know, they've got some experience with each other and it was, yeah, it was just really entertaining. It was, it wasn't, uh, there, there wasn't like, it wasn't wall to wall hockey talk. Mm-hmm. And it was actually refreshing in that manner because it, it humanized the players and it gave like, um, like they were, they, I was wondering too, cause this is like the biggest trip for them. Um, I guess other than the, why well, in the conference at least, but so they, I think they mentioned they busted to, to Ohio, which is going to no, be a really long. They took bus a, ride. they took a plane. Um, they did, but, but it was a red eye. Like it was like they had to get up at like three a.m. Okay. to go to the airport to leave. So like they were up really early. For some reason, I, I thought that they talked. They, they I follow Avery Myers on TikTok as well, um, who has like ten thousand followers on TikTok. Um, but it's kind of. She's stepping up her socials, you know, it's, she's, she's got the TikTok on the lockdown. Yeah. So it's, um, it's impressive stuff, but it, it's a good podcast to check it out. Dump and change. I found it on YouTube where you yep. suggested it and they have very good production value, much better than our <laughs> video, good audio, good, like set design. Yeah. Yeah. They must uh, have the, the power of Huskies productions behind them or the UTVS yeah. crew. So, yeah. But Looking was, forward to the next the next uh, episode. The next iteration it was pretty good. So, um, yeah, you're calling a win. I'm, I'm calling a loss. I'm not. Call, I mean, I guess I'm calling a loss, but I'm. But I do feel. I you know what? I'm calling a tie. I, I think it's going to be a tie. I think it's going to be tie. a one-one tie. Who's winning the uh, shootout? Uh, yeah, it'll be it'll be Saint Cloud. Why not? Saint Cloud will win in the shootout. There we go. Um, uh, Husky students, it is double points night on um, on Tuesday to go. Uh, I don't know what that means. 
<laughs> so I hope I don't either. Um, they got they didn't have any type of points or anything like that when I went. We just uh, showed up with our you know brown bag of SoCo or what. Maybe it's like Husky Bucks. Do you remember Husky? Bucks? Oh God, the Husky Bucks. Yeah. <laughs> And then at the end, you get an extra chicken finger at uh, at Garvey. And then at the end of the year, people just unload and try to raid all of the stores to try to use them up because <laughs> they didn't hold any real value. So, but um, anything else uh, overall um, about uh, the women's side? We can transition over to the men. Um, preview the Omaha series. Yeah, I mean, we mentioned the the Duluth and uh, Wisconsin split in Madison. Again, it's, it's one year. Like if, if Wisconsin was able to sweep that series, you feel like St. Cloud's like gained a game on Duluth. Mm-hmm. If they were able to do that, because Duluth was swept by Ohio state earlier this year. And then the Huskies were swept by Wisconsin. So if, if, if Duluth was going to get swept by Wisconsin and St. Cloud's going to, win one of those games at Ohio state yet in the common opponents side of things, you would have kind of gained a game on them and you were unable to do that. You can do, you have that opportunity tomorrow because Duluth was swept by the Gophers a couple of weeks ago at home. And so you've got another chance here to sort of gain some ground on Duluth right now, tied at 21 points, but Duluth has the one extra game. Um, And you're going to make that game up here uh, on Tuesday. So uh, that's kind of where we're at. Like I mentioned with, I, I did want to mention too, another one of these, I wish there was beat writers. Um, so the Gophers, uh, as I mentioned, played a Bemidji state this weekend, nine to two win on Friday, nine to one win on Saturday. What I looking at the box score, cause I was looking for their goaltenders, sky vetter. Um, don't call me daughter. Uh, is been their main goaltender. She was their main starter last year and at the beginning of this year as well. Uh, but she left that game with about three minutes to go in the third period, in which would have been a nine to two game at that point. And Lucy Morgan came in, finished the game, and then Morgan played the Saturday game. Now, Morgan's gotten some action this year and she's been really good. Um, she's got a sub one uh, goals against. Basically, in not great versus not great competition, um, her one win against uh, like a competitive team would have been against Duluth, and but a lot of you know playing against RIT earlier this year. She's a St. Lawrence transfer, and so she played one of those games against Duluth, but the other, you know, RIT, St. Thomas, Minnesota State. Uh, Harvard, who's terrible, and these Bemidji games, like the, the full game on Saturday and then the very end of the Friday game. So that's just weird to see Vetter leave on Friday, and I'm wondering if that's an injury concern. Um, so it'd be interesting to see. I mean, Vetter was the goalie for that game a few months ago in Ritter, and I would assume she's still the number one goalie there, but Based on that, I'm sort of curious as to who we're going to see behind that. And not to say that, again, Morgan is some sort of um, scrub uh, and played for St. Lawrence, was their regular starter three of the last four years, and put up some pretty decent numbers there, too, and and having a very good start to this season. Uh, But just interested 
to see what exactly is going on with the Gophers goaltending situation and unable to verify that through some pretty vigorous searching online um, for any sort of information. So if anyone's got a, a hook there on that, um, do do let me know. And then, uh, yeah, so we'll we'll get into the full Duluth St. Cloud preview in our midweek show. Um, but um, for the Gophers, that's what we got coming up next. And let's hope the Huskies bring it home. Yep, exactly. Um, let's, uh, let's talk about the men uh, for the Omaha a week off. Um, and, uh, our, our perfect in the NCHC, uh, men, uh, travel down to Baxter, which hasn't been in the most friendly place for the Huskies to play as late. Um, I believe what losing the, or three out of the last four, I think at least, um, maybe even more. Something like that. Again, it's kind of like, uh, Western where St. Cloud used to dominate down there mm-hmm. and then somewhere the worm turned and. Yeah, uh, Omaha's been been better of late uh, down in Omaha versus the Huskies, but we can change that this weekend. Yep, and I'm I'm hoping so. Uh, you know, I guess the big question is, you know, <laughs> I can't believe I'm going to say this, but I am. The big question, you know, that I have is, you know, injury concerns and the health of Mason Salquist, which again, I don't think I would have ever thought that I'd be concerned about the health of Mason Salquist, but here I am. Um, uh, or if they're, you know, going to give him some extra rest or, or anything along those lines, it looks like, sounds like Reiners is going to be out, you know, for a little bit longer. Um, at least how it was under the impression, at least, uh, but Bemidji, they would, that uh, they were eyeing him for a return, but um, Omaha was um, they split last weekend, and it, it, Omaha's kind of an interesting team. Their power play is absolutely abysmal. Um, you know, clipping along at twelve percent right now, uh, but they've got a nine and four, nine four and one record. Uh, but three of those wins are in overtime. Obviously, Huskies, two of our losses in overtime. So don't go to overtime against Omaha. That's right up there with fighting the land war in Asia. So that's going to be kind of a big, um, uh, a big key for for the Huskies. Um, I am a big fan of Lacozzi and Net. Um, so we'll see if uh, he gets the nod um, uh, there for both games. But it's it's kind of the weekend here where the 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 Huskies really need to you know keep the momentum rolling um against you know these teams especially right before we have the next conference series you know coming up against uh Denver and North Dakota you know the the you know we can't really slip when it comes to uh, getting these uh points in the NCHC Yeah did you watch any of the action against uh Duluth in Omaha this past weekend I did not. Uh, I decided to watch the zero goaltending and defense played um, in the North Dakota Denver series. Yeah, it was it was a fun series. If you like goals, that one was the <laughs> the one to go for. Yeah, compare that uh, compare the seven to five game out there to the one nothing the overtime nothing win, game. Yeah. which I, I watched most of that. Um, and yeah, I wasn't terribly impressed by Omaha. You know, mentioning uh, Duluth's mm-hmm. struggles this year, and that was their first win since October. Uh, 
that Friday game. Not a not a full split. I always feel compelled to point out it was an overtime win, so it was four points for Duluth and two for uh, Omaha on the weekend for the conference points at least. But um, you know, able to salvage something out of the weekend in overtime there. Um, yeah, just as you mentioned, power play struggles. Uh, you know, they had a five in a major uh, power play opportunity in that second Duluth game that they didn't do much with. Uh, they're just kind of struggling to score, particularly against, you know, tougher competition. Um, it does seem like Lacozy, I mean, he's played every, he started every conference game this year. You know, we were kind of mentioning beginning of the year was kind of getting splitting action um, against the, in, in non-conference and thinking like, it seems like this Lacozy is clearly better then your backup uh, transfer from uh, Lake State, uh, but uh, um, he's at least been getting all the uh, starts in conference play, and he's been all right. I mean, got pulled at Denver. I mean, that'll happen against Denver uh, to the best goalies, even. But um, you know, save percentage at nine twelve right now. It's it's good. It's not great actually. I think Bassey's got a better uh, save percentage than him. Um, so far this year, no, nope, Bassey's a little, a tick under at 908 save percentage, but you know, right, right about even. And, uh, I mean, he's good. I think he's probably better than that save percentage number would, would indicate at this point. It's just, I think there's, uh, you know, they had some success with him last year, um, in that Friday game at Omaha. They only played him once. St. Cloud only played him once, uh, one series last year in Omaha and did not play in St. Cloud last year. So they're not terribly familiar with this team, but, um, you know, I think that St. Cloud, and as you mentioned, um, being healthy, uh, is, is a key here. I, I think they have the edge from a offensive standpoint. Mm-hmm. It's just who's, is that going to show up, uh, to the full extent? And, you know, my source had tell, told me after the Michigan series that, uh, Solquist should be back for this weekend. And let's hope that he is because, uh, you get his production as well as you kind of move down some players into more familiar line mates. Um, and, and you get those, you get those face-off wins too, and able to start the possession um, sort of game by being able to win draws like that. I mean, he's a very important player. So um, hopefully that he is back, but I don't know. I have a good feeling about this weekend for the Huskies because I'm not terribly impressed with Omaha. I never am. You're always the, the bigger <laughs> Omaha fan of this, That's true. this show, but um, I'm at least thinking they can win one of these games. And I think they got a good chance to to take a majority of the points. Are you going to stake your claim here and make a prediction? How many points are the Huskies going to get this weekend? Yeah, I'm thinking at least, at least three. Um, I was about to say at least four. Um, or five. I mean, I could see kind of an overtime loss in there. Just something about that kind of scares me a little bit. Um, but yeah, St. Cloud. Um, I I think is just a little bit deeper up front. St. Cloud rolls full, you know, all four lines. Um, and all four of them are able to contribute. I don't really see that here with um with with Omaha nearly to the same extent. Some of their um you know, kind of players, uh, you know, maybe had a little bit of a, a rougher start. Um, I expected Jack Randall to be, yeah. 
you know, a little bit more dominant than he has. I mean, he, he had, you know, nearly 20 goals last year um, here. And so far has only, only had four uh, so far to start the season. And I, I think, uh, yeah, I'm looking at Randall cause I agree. I, I believe he had the, the overtime winner for Omaha in that Saturday game. Yes. He also had a goal on Friday. He's got golden three straight games. So, I mean, he was really cold to start the year uh, prior to last. Okay. Weekend. So, so maybe it's the wrong time. <laughs> maybe we're catching him on the wrong time. He's starting to get, get hot. But I remember his, his year last year, I think at one point around this time uh, last year, he was leading the country in goal scoring, I believe, but it was all pumped up by like a long Island, uh, it was in their non-conference, which is typically the last couple of years have been pretty weak um, opponents in their non-conference. And yeah, he had, I mean, he had a hatcher against Alaska who wasn't terrible, but uh, yeah, two goals against three goals against Niagara, two against Superior, two against Long Island. He had a couple against Miami and CC later on that year too. So he kind of feasted on some lesser competition uh, and wasn't like a, prolific score before that uh and so but you know he's a fifth year player for them and kind of expecting a little bit more a little bit yeah. more out of him um but um you know these lut keys that they have no uh relation to josh and different spelling uh, one's a forward one's a d the forward was a drafted player this past uh, summer and i know he had a little bit of hype as much hype as you can as a uh, omaha incoming freshman can have <laughs> uh, but um i think he's a, he's he's got a he's a solid player good prospect so i mean they they they've got some some talent but uh seemingly just not really clicking so far and i just hope that this isn't the weekend that they find it the more that we say it cuz when you were kind of dithering about whether or not st cloud's going to take the the uh majority of the points this weekend i was gonna go out and say oh I, i'm gonna call it they're gonna get a majority of the, this this discussion we're talking about right now like i don't you're kind of like hand waving away omaha this reminds me of uh, going into duluth last year after the anhorn injury and kind of we were like yeah duluth they ain't anything and then they got swept that weekend yeah. so i'm the more that we're sort of being confident is kind of giving me a bit of pause uh which <laughs> i got uh, a that's a good point. That's what I think what the healthy thing to do if you're a St. Cloud State fan uh, is have some some skepticism when whenever you hear too much uh, optimism. Hey, pump the brakes there, bud. So I don't know. I, I think Omaha is a, a decent team. I You, you can't um, hand wave them away like we're doing. Um, but, you know, I had the week off. Hopefully this rest has uh, healed up those uh Injured players, namely Salquist, as you mentioned, I don't expect Reiners to be back until the uh, second half. Um, and so we'll let's hope that that uh, gave them some rest and that they're able to come out strong here this this weekend and at, at least bring home the split. I think that's yeah. realistic to, to expect. Yeah. And it's, you know, looking at their goal scorers, you know, Ty Mueller leads the team five goals, um, you know, uh, LeMay Randall, uh, sitting there with four, um, you know, obviously we've got, uh, VT Mietten and 10 Molinar with seven Kupka with five, but after that, you know, three, three, two, two, then smattering of ones. So, I mean, 
you could easily kind of look at us and kind of say we're really top heavy when it comes to, you know, shut down Vietnam and you might shut down the whole team, which, you know, that's, I don't know, not entirely wrong. Um, you know, we're still trying to find a mix to get Okabe going, <laughs> you know, or, you know, Barrett Hall has kind of dropped off. Obviously, freshman, I, I got to give him maybe a little bit more of a pass. But that's where I think if Salquist come back, you slide Gross down, centering that line with Hall and Ingram, I think they can do some damage. So that's um, that's what I'm going to be looking for, seeing how these line matchups kind of work out. And um, hopefully we get a good, good series against Omaha, uh, a good presence there for the Huskies, and just – you know, I hope I don't complain too much about their benches being on opposite sides of the rink because I absolutely hate that. And so. from what I've been hearing so far, I don't think we'll have as many funny hot takes on their announcing team as we have in years past. Uh, looks like they they traded up, and because uh, I was trying to find out if the uh, KVSC guys are listening, which you should be. Um, <laughs> and the, why wouldn't you be? Because I was watching a, I was watching a women's game and they had like a commercial with Clarkson. It must have been a Clarkson game. And the guy's voice sounded familiar. I'm like, I think that's the new Omaha announcer because the guy's kind of he gets excited. He's got like, a, you know, I've drank seven cups of coffee kind of vibe to him, which I'll take over the previous Omaha announcer guy. Um, but um, he's just kind of kind of a distinct voice. So I was kind of Googling around, like, what's the guy's name? And I was right. He did previously uh, announce Clarkson women's games. What a plum gig for women's hockey. Clarkson's been really good. He's announcer for their national title teams. But I found out his Twitter page. And on his Twitter page, it would have been the games in Denver. And he mentioned... Uh, game tonight at eight o'clock on whatever the calls station, uh, the radio station is W click this, click this link to marry our announcing feed, the radio feed to the NCHC TV feed. I'm like, that's exactly what I need to marry the KBSC feed to the NCHC feed. So the technology is out there and (laughs) Omaha is utilizing it. And they're on top of it. So if that's, if you're able to, KBSC is able to help out with the, um, I don't know if they're chipping in with the production value over at Dump and Change, but if they want to use some of that resources and marry the uh, the KBSC feed to NCAC.tv, you would save um, some busy work for me every weekend. So throwing it out there. I like it. Um, as far as, uh, anything else, um, throughout, uh, college hockey, anything else kind of pique your interest? Um, you know, I, like I said, I did watch the North Dakota Denver series, um, Denver strong, strong offensive team, just not a lot of defense. And, um, you know, I did say that Corona, you know, getting rid of him was a, you know, step in the right direction, but 
Uh, I I don't know. I'm kind of eating my words that? right now because um, their uh, goaltending situation is not good. Um, yeah, that uh, Halleck, um, you know, whereas Bassey's uh, kryptonite is the high blocker, I think Halleck's high glove is where you want to beat it. Either that or, or Dakota just was shooting some lasers there because they were able to fire at will past Halleck on that in that third period on Friday yep. and some nice snipes, but uh, yeah, he's again, the competition, like he looks great. Two shutouts against Yale. Now Yale is, is terrible, but you know, so he can look great against the, against bad teams. But then when you face a good team like North Dakota mm-hmm. or even Omaha, which was a couple of weeks ago when they were able to win that game, the, the rescheduled, um, last two periods of the game on Sunday. Uh, Halleck didn't even, didn't look particularly good in, in that, in that game or even that series. He gave up four in the game that they won. That's like a Denver's like an 85 Oilers offensive. They're, they're an eighties team. Cause they're going, they're winning all these games eight to five and kind of fun hockey. If you like <laughs> a lot of offense and a lot of, yep. a lot of spread out action. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I no no, uh, complaints for me. But that's a, you know, that's going to be a weakness for them going down the stretch. How do you think? Um, you think North Dakota? I mean, now they're number one up here, wise. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, think they're for real, or what's your take on the on the Fighting Green guys? Yeah, I, it's hard to say that they're not for real, um, considering that, um, you know, just how far we are into the season and obviously, you know, only losing three times so far. It's, you know, that I, I don't like to see them succeed, but um, it, I, I do feel like they are maybe a little bit above Denver at this point. Um. I, I think North Dakota can beat you a couple of different ways. Um, and, you know, like they always do, they always kind of come in waves. They really seize momentum. You know, they found the rallying cry after Denver scored all those goals and, you know, lifted their stick up in the air as they were doing their flyby. And then North Dakota started doing it right back to them. Like they, they get these rallying cries that they're able to kind of be, you know, kind of feast off momentum Whereas Denver feels like, you know, if the the passes are connecting and they love those backdoor kind of passes, then yeah, you're you're gonna have a, a tough time defense um trying to stop those stop those uh, chances. But if those don't connect or anything along those lines, I d I don't think Denver has a second way to beat you. Um where whereas I think North Dakota can kind of muck it up, kind of grind it out. They can, they can beat you in a, in a foot race. So that's the the thing that kind of maybe gives me a little bit of pause, a little bit of worry, um, you know, and we'll obviously see in January um, when that series happens, how these two teams are really able to match up in our only meeting. And that's here, right. at, you know, at St. Cloud. So um, yeah, it's, um, you know, that, that that's, you know, kind of my take, you know, they were able in overtime win at Boston, um, followed by a loss, but those were two incredibly tight games. 
Um, you know, obviously the Denver again, overtime lost, um, and then a win. So it's, yeah, it, you know, you, you got your clear kind of echelon when it comes to the NCHC as well. Cause you got, you know, in my opinion, you got your top three, um, right now. And really you got your top three because St. Cloud hasn't been tested nearly as much yet. You know, we've got, you, you know, you can argue with Western Michigan, um, you know, we were able to sweep out there, but after that, um, you know, we, we took care of business against, you know, teams we should take care of business against. Um, and, and we've got a fun, uh, you know, we, we've got ourselves some good equity and now we just have to kind of continue that momentum. And that's why this Omaha series, in my opinion, is so incredibly important. Yeah. I would even, I mean, even with, uh, North Dakota at five and one and St. Cloud at six and oh, now the one for North Dakota is an overtime loss. So, uh, but I still think that, that I would give North Dakota the edge based on Stark's schedule, like talking equity, uh, winning a series at Denver, taking four points in Denver, you know, that's going to be tough for St. Cloud to top when they have to go out to play Denver. So, yeah. uh, you know, it's a good weekend for, for them. Um, for sure looking to like, cause I thought when I was talking about like North Dakota, if they're, if they're for real or not, I was wanting you to bring up Pearson just to be like, <laughs> that's the difference. Cause that seems to be, that's like the, it was like the pre uh, pre-made uh, reason for how North Dakota is going to turn their year around this year. And I, you know, like that Friday game, they gave up four goals in the first 12 minutes of the game, I think. Now, some of them weren't his fault, but I don't think some of those were the best goals to give up either. And looking at his numbers, you know, he's got a 9-14, which puts him at 27th in the country. Yeah. You know, right around average. But that's the top save percentage among NCHC goalies across the country. He's the top ranked highest save percentage among NCHC goalies. Ooh. It's kind of an interesting conference where wow. don't really have um, – well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I Actually, I didn't, I missed it and I didn't expect to miss it. Guess who's number one with a 925? And this is not in just token time. Okay. Cameron Rowe from Western Michigan. Oh, there we go. Who did not look very good against St. Cloud, I thought. Mm-mm. But so I guess he's second in the conference um, in save percentage. But everyone's sort of in that little lump, okay, a little glob between 914 and 905 or so. I mean, you got Lad Cozy close behind at 912. Bassie's a little bit further down. Bassie and Embarico. Embarico, obviously a lot of hype there as well. And he's just at a 909 right now. Uh, but then you got, you know, Halleck down at, let's see, fifth worst among goalies with more than 10 games played this year. He's just a shade above Dylan Malin from Stonehill, who dropped to 0 13 this last weekend. Um, not that goalie wins are all that important uh, or that they have a ton of uh, control over that, but um, not a very good sign when you're favorably compared to the Stonehill, to a Stonehill player of any position. Or <laughs> That's so, never ideal. Cer- certainly uh, worth some trepidation mm-hmm. in Denver, but uh, yeah, North Coast is good. I, I don't like seeing that, um, yeah. but um, yeah. And they got CC at home this weekend. So, yeah, they're they're going to be tough. If, whether or not they're the team to beat, 
Um, I guess that's, we shall see, but right now I probably would give them that edge based on their results here this weekend against Denver. And I think, yeah, I think Denver's got the offensive edge, uh, but defensively, defensively, there's not a, there's not many teams. I mean, I'll put them ahead Miami, but um, <laughs> they might be pretty low this year in terms of team defense in the, in the NCHC, which is not something that we're used to saying. So yeah. be very interesting how it, uh, how it plays out here in the coming in the second half of the year. Exactly. Um, yeah. So we'll be back um, to recap the Gopher game and then preview uh, Minnesota Duluth on the women's side. Um, you know, if you have a chance, obviously Tuesday, six o'clock um, home start, uh, you know, go to the game. Tickets are 10 bucks and like 18 under are free or something along those lines. So it's incredibly cheap. You're going to see some really good quality hockey. And then obviously same for the weekend. Um, so we're looking forward to that. Um, and then, yeah, World Juniors, uh, preliminary raw a roster was announced. Um, I'm looking to have Jake Baskin on. Um, if you uh, know him on Twitter, uh, he's always plugged into, well, he's also plugged into WCHA women's hockey as well. Um, but big team USA world juniors kind of fanatic, um, kind of an encyclopedia of knowledge. So I'd like to get his take on, you know, some of the rosters and what Carl and, um, and uh, Larson has really, uh, you know, tried to put together. So, so that uh, is in the works. Uh, should be coming out in here in the next couple of weeks. But um, yeah, that that about does her. Uh, you know, hey, no, sure. I have questions. What am I talking I was about? Gonna say, I've got questions. A one. Yeah, that's uh, questions. Um, Dan Jacobson, obviously, uh, Delaware uh, University of Delaware adding yeah. women's college hockey. Uh, where do you think the next program uh, will be to get D1 hockey, either on the men's or the women's side? Uh, Johnny Mack kind of stole the joke, saying that sources uh, told him that Illinois was going to be the, uh, the the next on the men's and the women's side. So never gets old. Never does. Never really close. There's incredibly close to announcing. So um, yeah, the Blue Hens of Delaware. Uh, uh, are, are adding women's hockey and they're going to play in the CHA. So that's uh, exciting for, for Delaware uh, and alums of the blue hens. So um, as far as, you know, men's or women's, I, you know, I, I just think it's kind of prime for expanding in the, in the big 10. I know Iowa is always kind of the punching bag. Um, I haven't heard of any rumors anywhere else about what is, looking or what other colleges are are looking at you know there's uh i believe it was middle tennessee state uh got a club hockey team that is looking to eventually make the jump into um uh college hockey or into the d1 ranks but that's uh, you know many years down the road but you never know if a stonehill or a lindenwood's going to kind of jump in so so yeah, I don't uh you know, I don't even have any real guesses when it comes to it. Do you have any any idea? I know I've heard some reporting and there's some clues out there that makes me think that Utica, I know this isn't like a oh uh you know, 
you're going to jump out of your chair when I say this, but Utica in New York, um, who I believe is D3, they've been sort of laying the groundwork for a move up to D1. They like hosted the Atlantic Hockey Tournament the last couple of years that it was before it went to campus sites. And so that one seems to be close. If I was going to bet, I'm going to say Utica, uh, but which could then could uh, cause some some dominoes because there has been rumoring that those teams might be able to split into a couple of conferences as well. That what you do with like Lynn, or, uh, Long Island and Stonehill, which are still independent uh, for the men's side, both of those teams are in the Nuha for the women, but there's enough teams to go around that there could be potential room for two conferences. The sticking point there is yes, the 16 minimum has sort of been the rule of thumb, but it's not necessarily going to be the case that you're going to automatically grant auto bid status to a new conference. And so if you are Atlantic hockey, you're going to split into, you're going to lose some of your teams. And as they go off to um, form a new conference, that might, not necessarily mean that that new conference is going to automatically have a auto bid, which means why would you want to bolt from Atlantic hockey who does have the auto bid into a league that doesn't Yeah. So there might be some politicking going around as far as you need enough teams to form a new league. That's going to assured uh, going to be assured of getting a, an auto bid. So it's unsure. It's uncertain there, but for the amount of reporting there and the, the people involved with Utica that seem to be talking to the sources that are reporting this, it seems like they're fairly confident that they have a facility. As I mentioned, it it was the one that hosted the Atlantic hockey tournament. So they have a lot of the check boxes already checked. Um, but I mean, as far as like dream scenarios or dream colleges, I mean, we've talked about this before, just think of like a power five team in, like the SEC or what was the Pac-12, um, thinking of those sort of big universities in areas of the country that do not have a college hockey presence mm-hmm. would be really exciting. California is there for the taking. You know, these teams play club hockey. You know, UCLA is a decent club team. I know Arizona's club team plays them. I know Oregon's uh, club team has a bit of popularity. Uh, in their neck of the woods, um, you know, the big thing here is facilities, but they're at least able to play in some facility now, which is suitable for their club needs. Now, obviously, that's not going to be entirely suitable for a D1 program, but you think that these universities have boatloads of money uh, that they could maybe throw some couple million bucks, uh, a couple dozen million bucks, maybe um, for, you know, facility that can make them feasible in terms of uh, of a D1 uh, program. So I I don't have any you know insight as far as who's actually making movement towards that, but it'd be nice if we see uh I don't know University of Florida or University of Washington um some of these would, big name schools because that I think can really drive the interest more yeah. much more so than a team like Utica. Yeah, I do. I, like dream scenario, you know, somewhere 
Pac-12 to play Arizona State. Um, you know, like a, a, a USC, UCLA, Arizona, you know, just, you know, something kind of down there to, to have them get, get like a true rival when it comes to that. And bring back but, Hunts, well, Huntsville. Then you, you'd you have to have them play in the NCHC then. Yeah, for a little bit. The, for Arizona State's at. Yeah. Uh, I guess we need to make a, a, a an even 10 eventually, right? Mm-hmm. Can't stick a nine. 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 Exactly. But yeah, that would be great. I mean, I mentioned they're building an arena here in Tucson for the University of Arizona, but it's just for their club team, and they don't seem to have any intention of moving it up to the uh, – to the D one level. They, they played an exhibition game this year against Arizona state. I think it was 16 to nothing. That was a hockey game. <laughs> that was hockey. Yep. Any other sports. So, uh, I, that would be, that would be my dream. Cause then I would have a D one hockey program in the city that I currently reside. Yeah. But, um, it doesn't seem like those that's really even on the radar for them. Unfortunately. Uh, Dan Jacobson, second question. Uh, does Grand Theft Auto 6 get released on the Switch 2? Uh, and my answer is I don't think it gets released on the Switch 3. Uh, I don't think uh, the Switch 2 is going to be powerful enough to grant run Grand Theft Auto 5 or Grand Theft Auto 6. So, so we'll probably have to wait a decade before that comes to a Nintendo system, but that's, uh, that, that's going to be my guess. So any thoughts on the teal, uh, the, uh, teaser trailer for Grand Theft Auto six or no? No, I mean, I did play it. Um, this would have been back in like the PS three. That's how old I am. Um, so I don't even know which one that would have been four. I think it was four. Was it Liberty city? I can't remember the, the numbering of it. Maybe it was even three. I'm not sure. So yeah. they're coming out with the sixth one. They're coming. Well, the six has been in development for a long time. Grand theft auto five came out in like 20, like 10 years ago. Maybe and, that's what it was then. And, but I think that was on the PS four PS three, I think had, um, yeah. Grand theft auto four. Yeah. Cause I, I, so my gaming days ended, you know, the PS3 is the only game console that I had, the last one that I've had. And I still have it, but I don't really use it. But I don't I have, I don't know when I would play like it, zero free time. But yeah, yeah, that's that's my I did too. like I did like Grand Theft Auto. It's a, it's a good just, you know, dicking around kind of game because mm-hmm. I don't even get into any of the like the missions, the missions or anything. Just like, I'm just, you know, just you know, steal a car and do some drugs and kill some people. <laughs> just good old American way. Right. <laughs> um, but I, I think like grand theft auto five, cause they have like a whole online community and just a ton of servers going that you pay like a monthly subscription to and things along those lines. So I think it's just been just sitting raking in cash. And I think it's one of the more profitable media enterprises of all time um i think it's made like eight or so billion dollars something like that i think it passed like hollywood when it comes to like any movies by a long shot so actually i think i think it was eight trillion dollars actually trillion yeah with a t Mm. it's a lot of money that's that that's not too bad and they always say the first trillion is the toughest it's that uh, don't i know it so 
Uh, but yeah, Switch 2, I don't think it will be powerful enough to run it. Maybe we'll no. get Grand Theft no. Auto 4 yeah. on it. So. That's right. Um, uh, Chester, thoughts on a college football playoff decisions versus a pairwise-like system? Uh, seems like a lot of college hockey Twitter community was met on the pairwise and now are really appreciating over the football chaos. Um, and the next year's football situation is going to be a lot more fun with 12 teams. Yeah, I was actually kind of surprised with how much people were really like pairwise for life um, when people were really upset with um, the four teams that are in the college football playoff. I do find that interesting considering that we had that with the BCS where it was a more of a computerized formula and people were not a fan of that at all, which is why right. we went to this system. So it's, I think, a little bit of recency bias right there. Um. And, you know, we have these discussions every now and then when it comes to, you know, which is better. I think both of them have their merits and, you know, the pairwise isn't as, you know, the end all be all of like, this is a definitive ranking and, you know, hold, hold it up to the light, to the words of Jesus or whatnot. But like, you know, there is something to be said about always knowing where you are at every step of the way, whether you're in, whether you're out, it's, but at the same time, you know, it's, you can still be slanted with should games in, you know, October count just the same as games in February or could St. Cloud's non-conference record really sink their chances, things along those lines. So I don't know. I found the the discourse kind of interesting about it. I didn't really wade in too heavily in, into it, but um, I I found it kind of interesting that, you know, they had the BCS and people didn't like it. I've made that point, that exact point before, and you like that point. You liked it so much that you're recycling it as your own right now. Uh, so but I like apparently, that. I, I didn't that's know that the, was your That's point. the trademark of a good point. <laughs> um, I, I don't follow college football enough what is, to... What is it, the uh, good artist steal or something like that? How does that quote go? Um, good. Good artist borrow, talking. great artist steal. There you go. That's that's apparently what I'm doing. I'm just stealing your points. And I am an artist. Yeah, yeah there you go. A sandwich artist. But um it's with it's a healthy heart. It, it's all art. I'll tell you. We that. already created a sandwich. Extra alfalfa sprouts. <laughs> um, so I don't follow college football enough to really have a hot take about the uh final four that they picked. I thought for some reason, this is how much I'm out of it. I I thought this year was when they were expanding the field, but so it's just the final four for, for this year, next year, which we get to have this. uh, And I'm sure that there's going to be a uh, 13 and 12, 13. Right. Yeah. You're going to have a, the the argument's going to be the same there. It's like who got screwed out of 13th place um, rather than 12. And so there's never, I mean, BCS before that with the, whoever was the pole, he had split national title winner winners. And they've been playing college football for a hundred years and no one's ever had like a satisfying solution for picking a national champion for that sport. So I, I don't think, I don't imagine that any solution they were going to implement in the future is, is going to solve it. Um, I've mentioned before I like the pairwise, but I feel like we're getting a little too rigid on it. 
And I think my, if I'm going to discuss any sort of tweaks to the system, I don't know, maybe because I, I do like the, like you said, it's, it's a system that's transparent. It's available for the teams to reference. They kind of know where they are. There's, there's, there's few surprises when it comes to selection Sunday, as far as who's in, uh, there's maybe some surprises as far as what the matchups are and where you're playing. But so I don't, I don't want to completely blow it up. I don't want to go back to a smoke filled room scenario, but I don't like the rigidity, especially when it comes to, well, this, this team was, between seven and, or uh, excuse me, they were between f- five and eight in the pairwise. So that slots them into a two seed, and then they can move around. But it's only they're all, they're they're set in stone as a two seed, mm-hmm. where you can be team number eight and team number nine, and you can have a sliver of difference between those two teams. But hell or high water, the eight team is a two seed, and the Ninth place team in pairwise is a three seed, and there's no changing that. So it's like maybe set the pairwise to set the field. Use the pairwise to set the field. You got the auto bid winners, and then you use the pairwise to to set in all the other at-large teams. But then after that, you're kind of free to move stuff around more so than you currently do. I do think that there is a little bit of stubbornness when it comes to that and i think just the pairwise there's not it's it's not a perfect system we've talked about the overtime rule where the rpi judges overtime results one way versus the head-to-head and compare or uh common opponents is is judged a little differently people love to treat it as like it's a perfect system (laughs) yeah and there's never going to be one pairwise i mean pairwise itself you like wikipedia pairwise it's it's just a mathematical system it goes back you know well beyond well before college it's not a college hockey thing it's it's a math thing it's just a way for for you to take a set of data and then match up those data points against one another in head-to-head comparisons and see how they stack up and it's only as good as the data that you're feeding it and so that's why over the years, it's every couple of years, the pairwise criteria is tweaked. You used to have the tuck cliff. Um, <laughs> used to have uh, the rodent home waiting, which you're not a fan of. Uh, that's only been a thing for maybe 10 years. I mean, it used to be the same <laughs> result. It would have been, you know, if you won on, at home versus you won on the road, it was the same. There was no difference between the two. You know, the pairwise doesn't take an effect or it doesn't take into account like the results of like the scores. So if you win 15 to one or you win one to nothing, it counts the same. So, I mean, I, I'm not saying that I'm not even saying like improve the formula and you're going to get a better pairwise out of it. I would, I don't really in general like to re- rely on machines for the truth. Um, I like to use the machines to, give the humans the best uh, possible data and information to make informed decisions. Ultimately, I think it should be a human decision. So my best scenario would just be, yeah, 
use the pairwise to set the field, but then free to move things around from, from here to there. Give me some compelling matchups. Um, I'm willing to move, you know, a, a seven versus 11 matchup. Uh, you know, that might not be the best. That might be for bracket integrity. That's going to anger those people. And maybe that's one, it, maybe it's one instance where the transparency sort of backfires a little bit because if everyone sees the, the, the pairwise and they say, why did they do the seven eleven game against the, rather than the seven ten? we're the seven seed. That means we should get the 10 seed. And then they set us up against the nine seed. Like they're screwing us. Whereas if we weren't privy to the actual standings, I mean, the difference is so minuscule. Yeah. It sort of angers people more than it really needs to to do. And it might feed the fuel, fuel the fire as far as like some faux outrage. Uh, and so maybe the the transparency isn't like 100% great. I don't know. I'm rambling at this point, but I'm not like a huge fan of the current setup, but I, I don't, I don't see it like I, I i don't hate it either like i said just i think we can make some informed decisions without being so strict to the to the computers but um yeah and who doesn't like a good argument you know florida state fans are they're having a hot week right now yeah. you know this week's gonna go really fast for them because they're hot and bothered and they've got some good arguments and they got some good logic they're becoming good uh you know, debaters this week because they're coming up with good arguments and they're being passionate about it. And it's good. That's good mentally and intellectually. That's good for Florida state fans. So, yeah. And you, you, yeah, it's, it's, it's all, it's, it's just sports. Like that's the thing. Like it's just sports. So really doesn't matter. Yeah. So, Oh, that about does her um, on Andrew's uh, podcast or a- Andrew's pairwise corner uh, as uh, as this. Uh, he threw me off guard. Over. That's just off the cuff. If you yeah, give me some that, time. Yeah. I was when we say, get yeah. closer to the actual tournament, then I, I'll have that week <laughs> where I'm prepping segment. my yeah. arguments. You're going to really get me on, on, <laughs> on, on a roll then. So just wait. <laughs> That's what we call a tease. So, so, so come back in February where, where we're going to have some, some hot takes. Uh, hot takes and healthy Harveys. And healthy Harveys. That's fat and giggly. <laughs> so we're going to make sure that alfalfa sprout. So, uh, Adam O'Dozer, this episode of Husky's Hockey Podcast. Um, you know, this time I'll actually end it, uh, by, by saying we'll be back, um, talking about the uh, Wisconsin or the uh, Minnesota hopeful victory um, and we preview a little bit about uh, what we got against Duluth coming up. So until next time, go Huskies. Woo! Woo!